0: tonight we love your word we love your presence the power of god's awesome in this place tonight thank you lord for touching people but lord we also thank you for your word where would we be tonight without the word we'd be totally lost and confused totally in deception but we thank you for giving us your word And, Lord, as as I share this tonight, I thank you even now for your precious Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us, those that will be watching this or listening to this. Lord, I thank you wherever people are, your Holy Spirit moving upon us. I thank you, Lord, for good soil and hearts and minds and lives that will be locked in and in tune with you to give you our best ear, our full attention, and our focus right now. Eyes and ears of the Spirit, good soil. And, Lord, I thank you as you speak through me, your living uh, seeds of truth is your word. This will go out like the parable of the seed and sower and land into good soil. Water by the Holy Spirit. Take root, grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. The winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations. It will get where it's supposed to accomplish what it's supposed to do and everything will be accomplished in and through this time that your will to be done. And we take authority. We bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this now. We command it to be bound and back off in Jesus' name. We break your power. But I thank you, Lord, that your mighty angels just clear away any resistance, and this will go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do, because the Bible says your word will not return void. So we thank you for it. We agree together as a church, and we believe, we receive it, we accept it, and we expect it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at part six of the God of Blood Covenant. Those that maybe have just joined into this series, make sure that you go back and listen to part one and two. Um this uh, this is going to be any individual sermon will be a blessing. Make sure there's no music playing or anything. I'm pretty sure I hear some. But um make sure that you go back and listen to the first couple sermons because they build and the first couple sermons lays a foundation of information that probably many of you have not heard, okay? And you need to know. So, how many of you guys knows that we're living in the last days? Yeah and the end times is a very interesting subject and i have been very fortunate early on in the 90s to start studying the end times so i've I've been looking into this for however many years 25 30 years and so i i'm fascinated with the subject i love it and i've preached a couple series on it those that are really interested there was a series we did called spine of prophecy and then of course we went through the book of revelation together and that was a lot of fun I had a lot of positive feedback people are very interested you know, I, I think especially as we're living in the end times, people want to know. So anyway, tonight, I'm going to just share from my heart, and you can take notes, And but I'm going to share a little bit about end time prophecy, and I believe some end time spirits that we're going to be facing, and then I want to talk a little bit about the importance of the blood in these last days. See, just like, remember I told you last week, I believe, maybe the week before, that The Hebrew mindset about prophecy is not just linear, but cyclic that it keeps history repeats itself, which is true. So the mindset there is accurate. In the same way that there was a Pharaoh, and then there was plagues that came on the earth while God's people were leaving, (laughs) in the same way there's going to be an Antichrist, there's going to be plagues coming on the earth and God's people are going to be on the way out. Now, how did God's people leave? They came out by the blood of the Lamb. So, let me tell you the emphasis I'm going to put on in this is the blood. So, whenever the Azusa Street revival broke out, we've gone through historic revival. So, everybody's real familiar. This was kind of the second wave. And this wave brought in Pentecost, the power and as this broke forth the holy spirit spoke to them at a susan told them make much of the blood don't ever forget that i try to to reference in the worship a lot i try uh, the mention about sing about the blood there's something about honoring the blood of jesus that will bring god's protection and his blessing and his presence Where the blood is applied, the glory will come where the blood is applied. So anyway, I'm kind of going to go with that mindset tonight and just share from my heart. Uh, Revelation 12, 12. It says this on the last days. This is part six, and I'm entitling this the destroyer because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But it says in Revelation 12, 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. So they're dwelling in the second heaven, and they begin to come down on the earth. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. I believe the devil already knows his time is short. We're in the end of the end times. I mean, the enemy knows. As I've studied end times, I'm just telling you that there's nothing biblically That has to happen right now that hasn't already been going on for the rapture to take place. Everything's in place. So it's just a matter, I believe God has one more major revival. I believe it's going to yield a harvest of souls and the Lord's going to call us up to meet him in the air. Um, My wife's favorite scripture. So as we look at this, Revelation 12, 12, the devil's gone down to you. He's filled with fury. But also the book of Revelation says this, but they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So there's something about this. You remember when John Davis was with us one time and he told us, he said he had gone under some severe warfare and he was thinking, Lord, when is this going to end? The Lord told him, he said, I want you to start taking communion and speaking the word of God. And he said when he started doing that, gradually the warfare left. There's something about overcoming. Did everybody see that? By the blood of the lamb and then the word of their testimony, that you're speaking out the word of God. There's something to, that overcomes, because I believe as we take communion that we are honoring our, the blood covenant that we're in. It's our blood covenant meal, and I believe we're coming up under the blood, and as we speak the word, um, it's going to break through the warfare. So in regards to the last days, let me talk a little bit about this. So, again, I don't even have notes about this. I'm just going to share from my heart. But Israel, whenever Israel became a nation, when Jesus first came, we know he died and rose around 33 A.D., and God gave them a a total of around 40 years, the three years of his ministry and then the rest of the time. God gave them 40 years to repent and you know, the Bible says there were many that believed. There was a lot of Jews that believed. There was a lot of priests and Levites. It says that. But the nation as a whole, especially the Sanhedrin, did not believe. And they persecuted the church. And so the Lord allowed the temple to be destroyed and Israel was scattered. And that went on for 2,000 years. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And when Israel became a nation again in May 14, 1948, there was such a shaking. A lot of people don't realize this. Please try to think about what I'm saying here, the, the gravity of this. World War I. Everybody say World War. A world war took place. It was a major shaking in the earth. But in that world war, it broke open the land, the physical land of Israel that was under Ottoman empire oppressive rule it had to be freed up it was part of the turkish empire but that world war one broke the power of the turks and it broke that land free and some of the wealthy jews began to go there and buy the land and so it shifted ownership and so this it took a world war to break open the land okay then let me say this now world war ii again we see another world war that broke out in world war ii germany began to try to completely annihilate the jews and we know about the holocaust so this the holocaust was ezekiel 37 a valley of dry bones how many have ever seen the pictures and all that of the holocaust i mean you saw just all these the you know the bodies that had been starved to death and and the bones and and they were in mass graves and all this and ezekiel saw the holocaust all those years ago and the lord spoke to ezekiel and said walk among these bones can these bones live again and ezekiel said lord only you know and so god began to move and he and he began to blow on those bones and god began to resurrect up that and create a great army out of that so ezekiel saw the holocaust and on the other side of the holocaust he saw the nation of Israel born and becoming an exceedingly great army. Today, the IDF is an exceedingly powerful military force in the earth, okay? So World War I, World War II, and now let's fast forward. We're about to see a third world war called the Gog Magog War. Now, when Israel became a nation, Jesus said, when you see the fig tree, and you see it putting forth, you know that the time is near or whatever, and it's a reference to the nation of Israel. So when Israel became a nation again, and then you see that they took Jerusalem in 67, as you watch Israel, you realize, man, we have entered the last days. Because when Jesus comes, there has got to be a physical Israel. There has to be a Jerusalem, and there has to be a temple. Probably that third temple, or the millennial temple, um, that the Antichrist will be in that temple will probably be built because of the peace treaty the Antichrist signs with Israel. But nonetheless, we have an Israel. Israel has conquered Jerusalem. Everything is set. Everything's in place. And the next thing for Israel, uh, prophetically, is that God's gonna allow the Gog Magog War. And that's a coalition, I don't wanna get too much into that, between Iran, Russia, in other Islamic areas now, Turkey, etc., Eastern Europe and Northern Africa, and they're going to descend down on Israel and God's going to defend them. But listen to what I'm saying. We're right at that Gog war with Israel. Nobody knows if it's a pre rapture or post rapture event. Nobody knows for sure. But it is near. So there's already been World War I to break open the land world war ii to create the nation of israel because the jews said we've got to have a safe haven now there's about to be a world war three and i believe that that Gog war is going to cause the rise of the antichrist he's going to sign a peace treaty with israel and that's that's all going to happen that temple everything's going to happen in regards to the Gog war but you can see that all of this is right there who would have thought that russia which is where Gog is, Magog, who would have thought Russia would be buddying up with Iran? Iran has actually giving them drones to help in the war with the Ukraine. Did y'all know that? So they're in Turkey, who's been a NATO ally. Who would have ever thought Turkey would become a Muslim nation? Who would have ever thought Northern Africa would be overrun with the Muslims like they are now? So in Eastern Europe, Probably Putin going into Eastern Europe is, is part of this because Gomer that's predicted there, that's the landmass to Eastern Europe. So my point is, if everybody can grasp this, you're watching the news, and if you haven't really studied this out, you maybe haven't really thought too much about it, but you seeing Israel in the news all the time, and you seeing Iran? and what Russia's doing, and how these countries that were predicted in ancient times to go against Israel in the Gog War have become Muslim. They're even forming some coalitions between some of them. This is all setting the stage for the Gog War. Now, in regards to the church, you know, what's happening with the church? Well, we've entered the Laodicean age. Lukewarmness, deception, confusion, but there's a remnant. And the Bible says in regards to the church, he said, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's been happening since what? The 1700s. And God poured out his spirit. God's been gradually in an increasing way, in a more frequent way, pouring out his spirit. And I believe the Lord has one more major revival, major. It'll be the most intense move of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we've seen up to this point. And in many ways, it will be kind of a combination of all the revivals because I believe all of it will kind of coalesce in this because there'll be such an intense move of the Holy Spirit for souls. Yet at the same time, there's gonna be so many healed and so many set free. And in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God God is gonna move so mightily to usher in the final harvest before the rapture and in this move of the Holy Spirit, He's going to purify the bride and get that remnant ready to meet him in the air. So all those that's been playing games, that's been playing church, etc., when the Lord really begins to move mightily, there's going to be a major shift in a sifting that's going to happen in the church. You watch. There'll be a major departing from the church world. And there'll be, sadly, places that are apostate that they'll begin to gather. And they may have maybe a homosexual pastor. They may have all kinds of abominations in the church. And there'll be apostate places that call themselves Christian. And those type of people will gather there. But how many knows God still has a remnant in the earth? And so the true church is going to emerge in this revival and see a great harvest of souls. And I've said this many times. I believe the greatest enemy to God's true remnant people will be the fake church. The fake Christians. And I believe it's already happening. In the same way, as we get into these last days, there's going to be so much deception that there's going to be a form of godliness that denies the power. These are going to be people that call themselves Christians, but they don't know the Lord. They're not born again. Okay, they don't believe God's word is the infallible word of God. Uh, They don't... uh, you know they're just they're not repenting of their sin they're not really the lords they call themselves christians and they will gather and there'll be a group of them and they will align themselves eventually with the false prophet but they will be great enemies to the true christians because they're going to present them as some uh backward fundamentalist bible thumping you know old fashioned stuff that now they've progressed beyond that and they're going to say they're the true christians see it's a deception does this make sense? And you can see this already emerging. I've been watching this and believing this for many years, would happen, but I'm seeing it. And what's about to happen is this, and I'm going to start getting off this end-time prophecy, but I want you to see that all these things are happening. The Bible says in the last days there would be so much deception, and it goes on to say in Thessalonians that there would be a great falling away. And in that, if you read it in Greek, it means apostasy. And what an apostate is, is somebody that walked with the Lord, but at some point they turned their back completely on the Lord and they forsook him. That's an apostate. And so in the Greek, it implies there's going to be a great apostasia. There's going to be a great falling away, a great departure from the Lord. And it said the end will not happen until that happens. The Antichrist will not fully emerge and the end will not come until there is a great falling away that takes place. And we're seeing that. Now, with that said, what's about to happen, just so everybody can watch this, there's going to be some kind of an emerging of a religious leader, and the Bible calls him the false prophet. My personal opinion, and I could be wrong, is I feel like it'll probably be the current pope of that time over Roman Catholicism. May not be, maybe another guy out of left field. But it's going to be somebody that's like the Pope. So if it's not him, it's going to be somebody just like him. And the Bible says that he looked like the lamb, but he spoke like the dragon. That's just like the Pope. Everybody, what does everybody think about the Pope? They think that he's Jesus incarnate in the flesh, walking the earth. Do they not? How many have a Catholic background? How many knows that Catholics believe when you see the Pope, you're looking at Jesus in the flesh basically? It's crazy and so it's it's um it's this great deception so when they look at somebody like the pope they think that it's christ or christ representative like christ on the earth but yet this false prophet will look like the lamb he will look like he's a christian but he will speak like the dragon so there's going to be some kind of a great deception there of some type of a spiritual leader that will be like the pope that people will think he's a christian and many will follow him, but yet he's very satanic. And it even says something strange in Romans, th- uh, Revelation 13. It says about the beast out of the sea, which is the Antichrist, but then it says this, the beast out of the earth, which is the false prophet. I wonder if there's not going to be something because those that know about these things, through satanic rituals, they can summon up something up from the earth, you know, up out of hell, I wonder if something's not going to be brought up and enter this guy and give him supernatural power because the Bible says about the false prophet that he'll be able to even call down fire, which is like lightning, in full view of men. And so he's going to have some type of a supernatural power about him to perform counterfeit signs and wonders. So just be looking for this, that you're about to see some type of an emergence of a spiritual Individual that people are going to think that he's Christian, but yet he speaks as the dragon and he's going to have supernatural power, lying signs and wonders, kind of like when Moses went before Pharaoh and then the sorcerers threw down their rods and they could do some of the same things. He's going to be like that, he's going to be supernaturally powerful to be able to perform signs and wonders. So that's the false prophet, and also the false prophet will begin to gather all these religions into one unification like a unified religion how many have seen all the coexist signs and the move toward this a lot of people didn't know this but even going back to the 80s pope john paul he actually was very instrumental even back in the 80s at trying to unify religions he went to other uh, like a mosque and different places like a buddhist temple and he would begin to gather all these other religions and the vatican has even had muslims come pray there so there's been a move for the last couple decades to try to unify the religions of the world there's even meetings with religious leaders from all these different organizations different religions around the world including the fake christians that are all coming together, trying to unify. But yet, how many knows that Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, truth, and the life, and no man can come to me but through the, you know, no man can go to the Father but through me. So Jesus is very exclusive that he's the only way, but this unification of religions is trying to say there's many ways. Is everybody hearing me tonight? So this false prophet is going to unify the religions. He's gonna have some type of a supernatural power about him lying signs and wonders and he's going to be a religious leader and i believe that that at any time could start emerging and then you're also going to have at the same time you're going to have this antichrist now he is going to be a politician a lot of jokes could be made right now but for the sake of time let's move on he's going to be a politician he's probably going to come out of europe or in that far eastern area something like that It seems to indicate, as I've studied this out, that it's the old Roman Empire. See, they've had, Israel has had several different enemies down through the years. I thought I had this in my notes, but there's been seven major enemies. And Israel has been, after Rome, Rome was the last enemy, the last great enemy before they were scattered. In fact, Rome scattered them. And so we've been kind of living in this age of Rome for a while, but eventually there's going to be a reemergence of an old Roman Empire. Do you know that the Roman Empire was all of Europe, and then it went down the Middle East? Have you ever thought about that? So there were two legs of the Roman Empire: there was the Europe, and then there was the Middle East. So the Antichrist is going to somehow emerge, and he's going to form a coalition. And there's going to be 10 land masses, that's the 10 heads of the beast, 10 areas, but his power will seem to be consolidated in Europe, in the Middle East. And I wonder, I just want you to think about this with me, isn't it interesting that the book of Revelation keeps talking about Babylon? Did you know that that's Iraq, that area, in fact, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be, associate himself with, with Nebuchadnezzar, and so he even had on, a, on coins that they would use in Iraq, Nebuchadnezzar on one side and his, his ugly mug on the other. And so he would, and he would build these reemerging, trying to build these things that, that look like ancient Babylon. But it's interesting to me that now that area was totally devastated and cleared out. Have you thought about that? I know that there's some things there. I think we have a military base. But here's what happened. When we went in there and got rid of Saddam Hussein and cleared all that out, here's what happened. After that, when Obama came to power, there was a group, remember ISIS? They went into Iraq, and they either slaughtered or scattered any Christians out of there. So here's here's something I wonder about, because they kept talking about Babylon, Babylon. Wouldn't it be interesting... If the Antichrist, that hasn't been kind of cleared out for him, that maybe his, his headquarters would be in ancient Babylon, modern-day Iraq. It's possible. In fact, it fits. I'm not saying it will. I don't know. But it's interesting to me because it's in that, within that old Roman Empire area. And so there's definitely a move toward this direction. And the seven heads speak of the seven different Um, enemies that Israel has had down through the ages and the principalities that were over them like Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and all these other enemies there's been principalities so as we're moving into these last days these things are already happening the stage is being set you can see that everything who would have thought we'd be living in a time when all of this is already happening And I believe that God's going to pour out his spirit. There's going to be a last move. And then God's going to catch up his remnant bride. Once that happens, Israel's going to sign the peace treaty with the Antichrist. And everything's just going to move quickly from that point. You've got the seven-year tribulation, which is the days of Jacob's trouble. So with that said, here we are at the, the last of the last days. And the Bible predicts seals, trumpets, and bowls. How many remember reading about that? I wonder and this is just my personal opinion when I read about the seals it seems to be synonymous with the you know the birth pangs Jesus said before the end there would be these birth pangs and you got the rider of the white horse which is the antichrist spirit and we can see the rise of an antichrist spirit that were in our day and then you see the other riders of the horses that are there that has to do with what uh, war famine and death and all of that and you see that all of that has been taking place i wonder if those seals have not already been popped i'm just this is just my opinion and actually we've already entered the time of the beginning of sorrows and all that's going on right now is actually prophetic that those the those horsemen are already marching. We're already seeing the wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence and all the different things, the earthquakes. Did you know earthquakes have been increasing in frequency and violence? Of, you know, the earthquake itself, the power of it has been increasing over the last 100 years. All these things Jesus predicted, we may be already seeing the seals popped right now. And so all this happening, so why am I sharing this? Because I believe that you need to know so that you can be watching, be looking at these end time prophetic events. When the Bible is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and all these different things, get in on the move of God. This is the time to be aware that we're living in end time prophecy unfolding, that it's not going to catch us unaware, that we know what's going on. We have eyes to see. How many knows that's important? Once we know the word, we can see things through knowledge and understanding our eyes can understand It's like as soon as Russia started moving into Ukraine, my first thought was, "I wonder if this is not connected with the Gog War." That was the first thing that came to my mind. so we're seeing all this happening so there's three spirits I don't have time to talk much about them I'm just going to um, I'm going to read over this, but I want you to be aware of this because I believe these specific spirits are going to be very strong in these last days number one is the nature of witchcraft and that spirit is what we know as the jezebel ahab spirits everybody says jezebel this is the whore of babylon it's a very strong spirit and it is pervasive it's around the world and let me tell you you need to read on this because you need this information the Jezebel spirit has to do with witchcraft and rebellion. And so I'm just going to, we've written a book. So anybody that really feels like I need to know more about it, my wife and I have a book on our website, fnirevival.com. Go to the downloads and you can read it for free. But we spent some time really researching this. So the, the nature of witchcraft is this. Number one, illegitimate authority. How many knows that, that Satan wants the wrong people in power? See, the early church used to really pray about it, and then the person that God spoke to them should be appointed there. They would hear from God. And so the people that were in power were people God put there, and they had an anointing to be in power. But now, even in the church world, man appoints, and it's a popularity contest. That's part of the problem, and that's where a lot of the problems come in in denominations of all kinds. I'm not picking on one. All of them. The problem many times is, is that man appoints illegitimate authority. And then they wonder why bad decisions are made. See, whenever the wrong people are in power, they don't have God's grace and the anointing to do it, and they don't have true spiritual authority. What do they end up doing? They try to control. Did everybody catch that? So that leads me to the next thing, ungodly control. The nature of witchcraft is control. And so people that have this type of Jezebel, Ahab, spirits about them, they will be extremely controlling people. They may get try to get people to feel sorry for them, play the victim and try to manipulate people's emotions, or they may become very angry and bitter, and they try to intimidate and control other people through intimidation. But it is a very controlling spirit, okay? And then also under this uh, umbrella of this spirit of Jezebel, and Ahab, and witchcraft, You have the dark arts. And this has to do with witchcraft, divination, and sorcery, the occult. And finally, where you see witchcraft at work, a Jezebel spirit, you're going to see a lot of spiritual confusion. You're also going to see a great hindering and delaying of God's purposes. Did y'all hear that? A hindering and a delaying of God's purposes and then number three, you're going to see a lot of depression. So people that are truly anointed by God, and they're like an Elijah, that spirit will try to cause great depression to come on them, that they feel depressed and discouraged. They feel like giving up. That's the spirit that Elijah came up against. And look how it affected him. So again, the nature of witchcraft, Jezebel, and Ahab, illegitimate authority. And you see it in the home. You'll see the wife trying to be over the husband. God never is going to be okay with that. What is that? That's illegitimate authority. And then because God didn't put them there, what do they do? They start controlling everybody. And then you'll see an affinity in them, usually toward witchcraft. They'll have a draw toward the occult, toward occult movies, spiritual darkness. And then, of course, this creates confusion it will hinder God's plans and purposes, and it will bring depression and many times a lot of strife as well. It's a spirit of witchcraft. Be looking for it. Be aware of it. The second thing, so number one, this, this spirit, this whore of Babylon, that will be the spirit that's behind the false prophet. Everybody catch that. The second thing is Leviathan. This has to do, I mentioned earlier, the destroyer. Leviathan is Satan's destroyer. The first spirit has to do with enslaving people with control through illegitimate authority, but the second spirit marches in to destroy. And so Leviathan will bring a strong death and destruction. Leviathan works very strong with like Antichrist, anti-Semitic. It's a very Antichrist spirit. And so Leviathan, many times, is at work through what the Bible says, the children of pride. And so it operates very strong in political realms because there's a lot of pride and a lot of pursuit of power to be over people. And so there's a strong Leviathan, many times, in the political. I believe this is one of the principal spirits that will be behind the rise of the Antichrist. You know, Derek Prince always taught humanism is the forerunner to the Antichrist, Do y'all know what humanism is? It's where man is your own God. Man worships man. There's no higher thing than man. And he's saying that mindset in humanity, that great pride, is what's going to cause the rise of the Antichrist. And so humanism, pride, Leviathan. Now Leviathan will try to hinder the gospel. It's a great, great opposition to the nation of Israel But Leviathan is a destroyer and will have a lot to do with the wars and the famines and the plagues and all those different things. And so we need to be aware, how do we overcome these ancient powerful spirits? Well, if you don't want to be controlled by Leviathan, then you have to humble yourself and really repent and walk in righteousness. Because Leviathan rules over the children of pride. Where you see pride and strife, you're going to see Leviathan many times. Leviathan is behind almost all of the church splits. Everybody catch that? Because of pride and strife. Many times Satan will send these spirits to try to attack a church. He'll send in a Jezebel. And he'll also send in somebody that that is like a Leviathan base. They're very arrogant. And they'll start criticizing the leaders and try to bring division. And so just be aware of these spirits. And then finally, the great enemy... To the Holy Spirit, the religious spirit. So these three are going to be very strong. You need. We all need to have knowledge of this: Jezebel, Leviathan, and a religious spirit. What was the great enemy of Jesus? The Pharisees, the religious spirit. It's the same thing today. Every time the Lord, what does Christ mean? The Anointed One. You don't want an anti-Christ spirit. Christ, it's an anti-anointing spirit. So a religious spirit, here's what happens. When a religious spirit begins to be at work, it will kind of infest. Anybody ever seen um, some house or something that gets infested? And then you've got to come in and you've got to begin to spray or set traps and deal with it and try to get that infestation out. A religious spirit works like an infestation. It begins to infest people's minds, but it begins to try to infest a church. And what will happen is this. It works in conjunction with the other spirits. Number one, the wrong people making decisions. Man's control. How many times have we seen, my wife and I travel, how many times have we seen at 1030 we're going to do this, and then at 1035 we're going to do this? And at 1042, we're going to do this. (laughs) Man's control. And you wonder why the Holy Spirit isn't moving. I mean, you can control the Holy Spirit right out the door. The Holy Spirit is not going to come in and just knock everybody out of the way and take over. I mean, the Holy Spirit cooperates with the service. If we want the Holy Spirit to come and let him come in and we just move with him and we cooperate with him, then he will come and move. But if we're going to be the ones that's controlling everything, he'll back off. So the wrong people making decisions. There's A religious spirit is very legalistic. It will always focus on the outward instead of the inward change. See, I learned a long time ago because I've worked a lot, a lot with young people. I learned a long time ago that you can try to get young people to obey rules. And that's, that's fine. There's a place for rules. But they need a heart change. Because if they really fall in love with Jesus, then they're going to do the right thing. See, religion, there's not ever going to be a heart change. There's never going to be a fire of the Holy Ghost put on them. That ain't going to happen. But a religious spirit will just measure up, do right, fly straight. But you know what? A religious spirit will turn people off. How many has religion turned you off? You know, it's, it's annoying because it just focuses on the outward legalistic. And we need to be careful because there's some wonderful uh, preaching and teaching that comes in times of revival, of deep repentance. And that's important. And holiness, that's important. Believe me, it's important. I believe it. I preach it. But you have to be careful that you don't get legalistic because legalism is a very evil bondage. All right, the third thing a religious spirit will do it will oppressively focus on rules and traditions of men. That's what Jesus got so mad about. How many remember reading about the woes when Jesus started raising his voice and yelling at the Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees. What was he saying? You know, you'll you'll separate, what did he say? You'll swallow, you'll strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They're focused on all these traditions of men and all this legalism and all these rules, yet he said that you're like a whitewashed tomb You look good outwardly, but you're full of dead men's bones. Your heart is evil. You see, that's religion right there. Also, religion looks righteous, but denies the power of God. We can look really good. People learn how to act and talk and look good, but we need the power of God to come in, the power of God to convict of sin, the power of God to set people free from bondage, And draw them to that deep walk with God. Also, a religious spirit will work with Jezebel, and it's an ungodly, oppressive control over people. A religious spirit will focus on debating. How many times people try to bait me into a debate? A religious spirit wants to argue and fight about words and debate doctrine, it's very annoying. Um, Another thing is a religious spirit is very unrighteously judgmental and critical. It's okay to know something's wrong when it's wrong, but a religious spirit will find fault even where it's not. You understand? It's very critical, very judgmental. And another thing about a religious spirit, it hates freedom. How many love freedom here? Freedom to dance, freedom to lift your hands, freedom to worship. I mean, freedom for the Holy Ghost to move, freedom to laugh in the spirit, freedom to cry. There's freedom. But how many have ever been in a place where you felt oppressed and it felt very uncomfortable to even lift your hand? You know, and and that's that's a religious spirit. Again, an infestation. And it acts like a wet blanket over that church. It's sad. The religious spirit, finally, it's the last thing. Again, this is just a cursory view of this, but a religious spirit hates the anointing. It hates the gifts of the Holy Ghost and it hates revival. How many love the anointing? How many love the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Love tongues, love revival, but see, a religious spirit hates it. In a religious spirit, in somebody's life, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, they begin to just fold their arms and look down their nose at it. They hate it. And they're thinking to themselves, I can't wait to get away from this. And if they can, how can I shut this down? There was a a saying back years ago that many churches, we don't have this type of government here, but a lot of places do. There was a saying back years ago was many churches are deacon-possessed. And the the reason for that <laughs> is because y'all haven't heard. That, is because the they they there's people that get voted into power. God bless them, because the, maybe they give you know they have good tithing records or something, or they're they're handsome or popular or whatever. But they get in there and they begin to control everything. They try to control the pastor. They want to control the services. They want everything to be a certain way, and and it it's a religious spirit. And they had their little religious ritual every week with no power. So those three things, we're in the end times, number one. Number two, those three spirits, those that follow our ministry, those that follow us through podcasts, you may not come here, but let me just encourage you to do some research. Maybe write that down, the Jezebel spirit, write down Leviathan, write down a religious spirit, and begin to do some research about those three spirits. Because you want to make sure you're freed up from their influence. Those are going to be very strong in these last days. In fact, they're going to be strong against the church. We need to be careful to not let Jezebel's in and have their way. We need to watch out for that Leviathan trying to come in and destroy churches. And we also have got to keep a religious spirit out. That's one of the things I remember when John Davis came here. And he ministered several times, 2018, 19, and 20 And one of the things he kept saying to me was, he said, I love this about your church. Somehow you've managed to keep the Pharisees out. Brother, I pray about that all the time because I'm not interested in trying to herd goats. I'm interested in pastoring sincere sheep that want God to move. All right, so I'm gonna close with this is the blood covenant. So again, we looked at the end times. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. There's some end time spirits we need to be aware of. Now, finally, we need to come up under the blood. My wife's favorite scripture. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I've been talking about the blood covenant. And just like I opened, I'm going to close with this. When Israel, when the plagues were coming down in Egypt, Israel was protected by the blood. And they came out by the blood of the Lamb. Make much of the blood in your life. Every single day, every day, I bring my life and family under the blood. It is exceptionally rare. In 365 days of the year, there may be one or two for some reason. I can't do it. But I take communion every day. I take time with it. I don't ever rush it in my own personal prayer life, and I bring my life and my family and this church under the blood. Because I believe in that, I believe it's powerful. And not only for me as an individual, but like I said, I bring my family and the church under the blood. I bring our health under the blood. I bring our finances under the blood. I pray about that. But that's something that all of us need to do. The blood of Jesus needs to be applied fresh daily. I'll tell you something, Satan isn't scared of everything, but I'll tell you one of the things he really hates and he is scared of is the power of the blood of Jesus, and that's a fact. Bring your life under the blood. Bring your home under the blood. And I've taught you guys, I'm unconventional about communion. I, I'm not interested in people's religion and traditions of men and, and control and all of that. I've, I've, I was tired of that 25 years ago, I believe. 95 96 when god touched me in revival i was done with all that so i'm not conventional about communion i don't think that a a clergy has to administer it i believe you can take it at home on your own i don't think you just have to take it at church you can take it in a hotel room between you and the lord so Take communion, and, and not only that, but I usually get a little extra juice and an extra, you know, size piece of bread, and I take it multiple times. I'm, Lord, I bring our lives under the blood of Jesus. I start quoting scriptures about being set free, about healing, about, you know, provision financially. But let me tell you, in these last days, I believe that we need to come back to the blood with a great emphasis because just like Israel had to paint the blood on their doorpost, and they were protected, I believe that there's gonna be a marching of a destroyer in these last days. And I believe it's already begun. How many would agree with me? You sense that there's darkness in the earth. There's like hordes of hell marching. And and there's something like a destroyer trying to move through the earth. And it's wanting to destroy churches. And let me tell you, how are we gonna overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I bring my life under the blood as I've said this many times, I'm just going to read through it, but there's something about the five things about humility, prayer, fasting, giving financially, being a giver, a tither, and deeply consecrating your life. Those five things that will bring major answers to prayer and breakthroughs. And so we live a life, we do our best as a church to, as fasting as a lifestyle. You know, every week, all seven days are covered somebody's fasting on um, you know each respective day mine is on monday but i know many others have different days but we fast from morning to evening and we pray about something together where we have a called the watchman program we have things we're praying about so number two there's going to take faith how many knows the blood is applied by faith you know his so in the bible it said they use hyssop hyssop is just a common plant in israel It's like you would grab a handful, like a weed, okay? A handful of grass, a weed, dip it in the blood, and they would either paint or sprinkle it. And so, you know what Hyssop represents? Faith. Because it's not enough to have the blood in the bowl right there on the ground. You have to pick it up. You have to use your faith, and you have to apply it. It's the blood that's applied that's going to make the difference. Everybody catch this because I think that if we're not careful, we'll just assume something. The blood has to be applied by faith, and it has to be applied. It can't assume that it's applied. And so there is a faith, an act of faith, that we actively paint the blood over our lives and our families. Every day. I feel the anointing as I'm talking about this. I feel that there's some people that need to know this information. Also, quoting the Word of God out loud. It's not enough just to, to mumble it within. We need to vocalize the word of God. The Bible says over and over, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And it says this, if you speak to the mountain, it'll move. It doesn't say if you think to the mountain, you have to say it. So there's something, what I, I started this by talking to Brother John, saying I took communion and spoke the word and the warfare. This is what I'm talking about. When we need supernatural protection, we need breakthrough in war, we need mountains to move, we're going to have to understand that we have to actively apply the blood by faith and we have to speak the word out loud to that mountain until it moves. And finally, standing in great faith on God's promises until they are fulfilled. The promises, as I go through the scriptures, and I've said this many times, but the first thing I'm talking about is how the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us, pierce for our transgression, bruise for our iniquity. Go through all these promises about being righteous. The second one I talk about is I'm taking communion is the protection, the hedge of protection of the blood. The third one is that we are delivered from satanic influence, Galatians 3.13. The fourth one I talk about is healing and health. By his stripes you are healed. I also talk about financial provision, Second Corinthians 9, 8, and countless other places. And then I also talk about the angelic assistance. How many knows that if Jesus needed ministry of angels after he was tested in the wilderness, I think maybe we do too. And if it took an angel to get Peter out of prison out of a difficult situation, I think that maybe we need their help sometimes. So I believe God sends them. Not at our whim, but God sends them though to enforce his perfect will and his eternal purposes in the earth. And they are sent on assignment to minister on our behalf as heirs of salvation. If the devil is trying to hinder God's plan for your life, believe God to send angels to get that out of the way. And he will. So these are things that I'm emphasizing, but I feel river of life, we're in the last days. We're in perilous times. We see these ancient spirits at work. We see them against the nation of Israel trying to stop Jesus' coming. We see them trying to stomp out any trace of Christianity out of America. We see, we see these ancient spirits. We see the Jezebel spirit. I see the Jezebel spirit obvious in Washington and America. We see these spirits like a Leviathan, we see a religious spirit has enslaved so much of the church, and the enemy's doing his best to try to shut down anything that God's wanting to do, but God's still going to move, the devil can't stop the Lord, but we need to be aware that while we're living in dark times and the destroyer is marching through the land, just like Israel, we can paint the blood of our lives and our family and the enemy has to pass over our home. And even though the world may suffer all kinds of torment and oppression, we can live in victory with protection and divine health, and we can have prosperity. So <clears throat> that's what I felt tonight, that we overcome the destroyer. We overcome Satan's kingdom by the blood of the Lamb in the word of our testimony, but we have to know the God of blood covenant. We have to know our covenantal rights. We've got to make much of the blood. We've got to reverence the blood of Jesus and we've got to apply the blood of Jesus. And God will give us victory. Amen. All right, so let's close with prayer. Lord, I thank you for this word. Let this get established in us tonight. I thank you, Lord, for helping us understand end time prophecy, understand the battleground that we're living in. Ancient spirits are at work in these last days, but Lord, We are going to be more than conquerors. We're going to be overcomers. And the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet. Lord, we're going to overcome everything the enemy tries by the blood Lamb, word of our testimony, the God of blood covenant. Lord, you are faithful to your end of the blood covenant. Lord, to save, heal, and deliver your covenant people. You are faithful, Lord. And we thank you that we have passed out from under every type of curse or, or whatever the devil throws at us. And we live and abide in the blessings of Abraham. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want us to I want my wife to put on some worship. And I felt tonight there's something specific. We may need to move the chairs, but these intercessors, let me just say something real quick. If y'all could just look this way, we're gonna, we're gonna pray right now, but I want you to hear this. One of my favorite Bible teachers, Derek Prince, I know a lot of his teaching, but there was a story he told. He was, when he got saved, he was in the barracks and he was out in um, the desert and um anyway he was out in this tent i mean it was the barracks and he was alone he found the lord reading the bible because he thought to himself well i'm into philosophy this is an important book so i'm going to read the book but he had no intentions of getting saved but he got saved but listen to what i'm saying here after he accepted the lord he was hit by the power of god baptized in the holy ghost by himself in the barracks thrown on the ground and he was baptized in the holy spirit and listen to what i'm saying right here he said somehow i knew that while god was touching me my destiny was being determined that the rest of my life in that moment somehow and i remember him saying this because i thought this is really profound he said somehow i knew as i had repented and got saved and the lord was touching me like that that God was looking at me and he was determining the rest of my life and how it would go. That things had shifted from one way now to a different path, my life will go on. Does that make sense? My destiny was predetermined from that moment. I felt for some reason tonight as we were worshiping up here that God is shifting destiny in some of these young people and some of these kids. I felt it. That God is touching you Because your life was going kind of down a certain path, but now God is changing your path. He's going to turn your feet on his path, and your feet would be guided into a totally different destiny in God. And it's by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit. And I felt that God's going to begin to breathe into the children, and there's going to be a change. There's going to be a heart change. But I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray over um, intercessors too because there's some significant things that are happening in the spirit realm i know that you sense it but since about 2018 god has totally been changing things in river of life there has been a major move that the holy spirit's increased it's it's been a season change and i believe god has some great things for us it's already begun but you intercessors are the key i feel you're the key to open up a lot of these things that god has told us he's going to do being fulfilled so i want to pray for intercessors and i want to pray for whoever wants prayer but i really want to pray for the children so lord as we move some chairs sandy if you can just put on some worship and if y'all want to we could we could dim the lights as well here in a few minutes but lord i thank you for hearing answering the prayers over tonight lord i thank you for moving in power